This is Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And it's fun to have everyone else kind of get a little insight into what we do. Farmland forever. Actually, that was the next question I was going to ask you. Shelby, <laughs> let's wrap <laughs> this thing up. <laughs> And welcome everyone to this week's Cultivating Convos. I'm Shelby Croft. With me as always is Megan Harshbarger. Hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of our awesome podcast. Um, oh, today and- we're going to be talking about something near and dear to our hearts, Shelby. Is, <laughs> is that correct? You, I would say. You've, you've literally like taken the words out of my mouth. <laughs> near and dear to our hearts, wine. Such a great subject to talk about. We're very That's excited good. today. And this actually, uh, our, our, the, our first guest that we're going to talk to, this takes me way back to our former life. Megs and I were TV news reporters and anchors prior to this. Oh, yes. And my first introduction into our Ohio wine industry was interviewing uh, Christy Eckstein, who we now work with very closely. Yep. Uh, she's the executive director of the Ohio Grape Industries uh, Committee. And I, I stumbled on a wine story and I interviewed her. And I will never forget, I just sat there and I was wide-eyed, jaw open. I left that and I said, that woman holds more information about the wine industry in her head than I will ever know. I mean, it was, I was, I was blown away. Now, this is just an assumption, but I'm guessing you also left thirsty. (laughs) (laughs) I did and left with a lot of, uh, a lot of good Good ideas regarding wine and good places to visit, <laughs> which yes. I've not gotten to a few of them, which is great. Plenty in uh, Ohio to choose from, of course. I know, I know. I don't think people, Megs, I just don't think people realize how large this industry is in our state. It's huge, and it's a big part of, of what we do, too, um, at ODA. And so with that, I would like to bring in Executive Director of Ohio Grape Industries, Christy Eckstein. Christy, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And we also have Robin Coolidge with Rockside and Wine Dot Winery and Vineyards. He is also joining us for this Cultivating Convo. Thanks for being here, Robin. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, Christy, I, I would just, I would love for you to impart some of your knowledge on, on our listeners today. One of the things that you and I originally talked about in that, in that first conversation was how much the industry has grown in Ohio. And why don't you just talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the Ohio Grape Industries Committee was actually created in state statute in 1981, and I believe at that time, um, I was only six, so I can't verify this, but I was told there were about 35 wineries and vineyards, they were one in the same at that time, um, who were a part of the industry. And when I took this position in 2007, there were about 85 licensed wine manufacturers in the state. And as of March 31st, 2021, there are more than 350 licensed wine manufacturers that call Ohio home. That's great. Amazing. I mean, that's, yeah, the the growth is just unbelievable. Robin, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about how you got started and and got got into the industry and wound up with two wineries? Sure, absolutely. I, uh, so I, I was an IT guy for most of my career and uh, about uh, 20 years ago now decided I wanted to make a change and uh, made a trip out to California where my wife and I kind of fell in love with uh, 
whole Napa thing. It's hard to not fall in love when you're in Napa. Uh, and came back and I wanted to have my own business and the wine thing looked really interesting. And so I started learning about it. Uh, at the time, uh, we 16 years ago, we tripped over Wyandotte Winery being for sale. Wyandotte's in the Columbus area near Gahanna, Westerville. And uh, we put that deal together and started running Wyandotte. Wyandotte's the oldest winery in central Ohio. It's been here since 1977, so it had a, a, a lot of kind of roots in the wine industry here. And then um, that went really well. We've enjoyed it. It's been uh, an awesome business. And then about, well, uh, six years ago now, we bought Rockside Winery and Vineyards, which is down just north of Lancaster. Um, that was our first time actually having vineyards. Wyandotte doesn't have them. Uh, and that has been a whole new experience for us. Um, but one again, that we really enjoy. Yeah, and it's, excuse me, this business, uh, the wine business in Ohio has really gone, Christy, as you said, 350 now. I mean, what what's the interest, you know, from people across Ohio to, to want to start this kind of business? What do you hear from people uh, about wanting to do this? From a, a grape industries perspective and from a state perspective, I think there's like like Robin, there's kind of a romantic feeling around wine and winemaking. Um, grapes are the largest value added grape or crop, specialty crop in the country. Um, and the thought of actually turning wine grapes into wine is, um, I think, something that people dream about. So a lot of our winemakers are actually like Robin transitioning from either early retirement or retirement into starting a winery and potentially growing grapes here too. Um, I will say most of our winemakers are artists. They are also engineers um, with some sort of kind of science or technical background because winemaking is an art. So Robin might have more to kind of add to that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I love part of what I love about it is it's it's an amazing mix of art and science. So I was an IT guy for many, many years. By the way, I never retired and I'm still not retired. This is a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was an IT guy for many years. And then I've also been a cellist since I was very young. So I kind of have this art and science background anyway. And, you know, when you're making wine, you've got the chemi chemical side, the chemistry side of things that informs your your artistic side, your palate, and and uh, about the wines and how they're progressing, and and uh, it's an amazing thing for me. The other thing I really love about the industry is just the number of people that I get to meet. You know, they they may only come through the winery one time. Uh, hopefully, they come back many times. I've made a lot of longtime friends through the business, but even if they only come through one time, it, it's just an amazing experience to get to meet so many different people from so many different places inside and outside of Ohio with so many different backgrounds. It, it really is a, it's a, I, I just really enjoy it. You know, it's a lucky person who gets to do what they love and other people get to get enjoyment out of it. And so that's, that's, I just, I really do. I enjoy the industry a lot. And I think Robin kind of hit the nail on the head with the experience. That's what draws the consumers in, but also what makes our winemakers love their job. It's the experience that they have. Um, when you go to Napa, I think the experience is a little bit different, um, maybe a little bit more commercial. You may not get to meet Robin or his wife, Valerie, or his son, Ryan, in the tasting room like you do here in Ohio, because our winemakers and grape growers are one and the same. And the experiences are just vast in live entertainment, um, pet-friendly events like goat yoga, um, anything from balloon festivals to cruise-ins and restaurants and lodging. You know, the experience is 
it's all about who you're with and what you're doing and Ohio wineries, you know, have all types of diversity within those experiences. And, and just to put in a plug for the OGIC too, I mean, we, we are really lucky in Ohio to have a group from the Department of Agriculture like the Ohio Grape Industries Committee that is there, you know, funded to help wineries and vineyards, uh, both on the extension side to help us learn how to do what we're doing better um, to solve issues that we have, but also so much great marketing and uh, just uh, helping to bring people into uh, the wineries. I mean, it, it is it, it's pretty amazing uh, what a great resource that is. And a lot of states don't have that. Mm -hmm. You know, well, it, you have such an industry that is that is fun to market and promote. I mean, every time I have visited a winery here in Ohio, it's like you're just you're stepping into a little oasis. You really are. And it's great. You know, Robin, I, I wanted to uh, touch on something that you brought up before is the difference between the winemaking and the grape growing. I mean, they're both sciences in themselves, but it, it, they're both very difficult, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, they, they have their challenges. My wife, Valerie, is our vineyard manager. She spends all the time down there in the vineyard um, doing all that work. I, I only step in when she needs something heavy, but uh, she does a great job. But for instance, I mean, the last two nights we've had a frost and we're probably going to have another one tonight. And the vines started early this year because we had that couple of weeks of really warm weather. And so our, especially the vines that we grow, we, we choose them specifically because they're very cold hardy. But as soon as they start to show green, they're not hardy anymore. And this frost is likely to set everything back this year. Uh, it's just one of those things you have to deal with in agriculture in general, but specifically with, uh, with uh, grapes. It, they are a difficult crop. And then from a winemaking perspective, you know, my challenge is always then taking whatever we can grow in the vineyard. In a bad year, we still harvest grapes and we still have to do something with them. And making good wine out of grapes that maybe aren't perfect uh, is a huge challenge to the winemaker. So so that, that it is, a, they are different things, very different things, and it, it provides challenges, but I guess that's part of the fun of it too. Yeah, and I do want to mention, I know we don't have any of our uh, plant health experts on with us, but there are some insects that do pose risks to um, our vineyards in Ohio, and that's spotted lanternfly and our 17-year cicadas um, that we're going to be seeing and hearing probably in the next couple of weeks. So, Christy, are we getting the word? I'm sure we are getting the word out to those um, owners um, about what's going on and what's what's here in Ohio now. Yeah, those two are just kind of two of the newest or uh, most currently emerging pests here in Ohio. We have a lot that um, really our growers have to deal with, like the brown marmorated stink bug, too, and the multicolored lady Asian beetle, which can be devastating to a, a winemaker if they get into a batch of grapes. But yes, we are informing consumers as well as our grape growers um, and Ohioans across the state through the Department of Agriculture and Department of Natural Resources and OSU about how to spot the spotted lanternfly. Um, now that we do have an infestation over in Mingo Junction, hoping that we can mitigate it, keep it there as long as we can without it spreading across the state. So also talking about what to look for inciting it and how to mitigate its impact on our, our grapes um, out in the vineyard. And then the cicadas too, um, from south and west, that they, they are gonna have an impact, especially on our young vines. Um, vines that have been around for longer aren't gonna be impacted as greatly as those new vines um, with the cicadas being able to kind of burrow their way in. So um, hopefully 
we we didn't plant a lot of grapes this year due to that in the southwestern part of the state or our growers have been notified through OSU Extension about how to kind of cope with that planting as they're planting this spring. Robin, what are you doing as far as uh, precautions or, or looking out for uh, pests like that? Yeah, you know, in, in Ohio, we're actually pretty lucky. There aren't a lot of pests. I mean, the ones that uh, that Christy mentioned, plus we have to watch for Japanese beetles. You know, I think you just have to deal with nature, <laughs> you know, and uh, um, it's going to come like this, this spotted liner fly. It's, it's going to come. It's spread from, you know, the, the eastern part of Pennsylvania all the way now into what we think is the uh, eastern part of Ohio, and it's going to come. So, uh, again, we're going to rely on some of the research funded by the OGIC, some of the research that's being done already in places where it is to help us learn how to basically deal with it when it happens. But it's just another thing we'll deal with. I mean, you can't do anything about it, so you you figure it out. It's a silly little bug, but it can cause some definite damage. All right, let's get to the fun part here, Megs. Robin. I was going to ask, like, favorite wines. <laughs> That's what I, exactly what I was going to say. Tell us what your best, your specialty wines there that are your favorites. Yeah, so everybody always asks me, what's my best wine? And my answer is always, my best wine is the one you enjoy the most, right? So so we, we do our best. Um, I, I try to make a variety of wines from dry to sweet, red to white. I make some fruit wines. My, my goal is that everybody that comes in the winery can find something they enjoy and they can do that in a, in a very non-threatening environment, right? So, so wine has this thousand year history of this kind of fuzz of, uh, of uh, terms and, and it, it just makes people feel intimidated. And we try to break through that and just help people enjoy. At, at Rockside, uh, we grow mainly French American hybrids um, a lot of grapes that people maybe haven't heard of as much, um, but we specialize in making really good wine out of those French American hybrids, which without getting into a long explanation, basically are cold hardy and they're going to live through our winters, right? At Wyandotte, we bring in grapes and juice from a lot of different places, as much as we can from Ohio, but we go outside sometimes too. Um, I'm really proud of some of the dry reds that we're making here, but I love to make fruit wines. Uh, strawberry and raspberry and cranberry and apple and and uh, they're just people love them they're so much fun that the cool thing about them in my opinion is um, that you know when I get a Cabernet Sauvignon you get these sweet grapes and they taste grapey and then you ferment them through and what you get is something beautiful at the end but it really doesn't taste much like a grape anymore right when you do these fruit wines apples and cranberries and raspberries what you get is what you start with. The flavor survives the fermentation process. So when somebody drinks a, a, a apple wine, it tastes like apple. And and a lot of people just love to know that's what they're going to get when in their glass. They don't have to guess. So I, I uh, I'm proud of all my wines. I love to make the fruit wines. I think they're a lot of fun, and uh, we're doing some really good uh, work with um, French American hybrid dry reds. Do you ever do you ever taste a wine and try to mimic it and if you have which one which one i would dying to know <laughs> that's that's an interesting question so the answer is no because you you pretty much have to work with what you're given you can't really change a wine to be something other than what it is and in a small batch environment like ours right um 
I'm always dealing with what I'm getting. So it isn't like you know one of these big wineries where they can take a half a bazillion gallons from last year and blend it with a half a gazillion bottles from or gallons from this year and kind of make a wine that's very every year kind of the same, right? We we can't do that in a small batch. So every year when I get raw materials, I have to both through chemistry and through um, the artistic side, right, the taste and the smell, decide what I have and kind of craft that into something good. <laughs> uh, and good is is a tough word because it's really in the in the the mouth of the beholder in this case. But uh, but but no, I, I I can't say that I ever try. Uh, for instance, I I don't want to make a California style wine in Ohio, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people, that's all they know is California-style wine. So when they walk into a winery, what they expect to get is that big, bold Cabernet Sauvignon that they had from uh, from California. In Ohio, we're growing Crot Noir and Norier and Chamberson that aren't those great, big California-style wines. They're Ohio-style wines. So we have a lot of education to do um, to people about why that's okay, that it doesn't taste like a great, big, bold Cabernet Sauvignon, but a little lighter, a little higher acid wine still has a, a place. It's more like uh, Northern France or something like that. But also there's no way, even if I wanted to, that I could take that wine and turn it into a big, bold Cabernet Sauvignon. It just doesn't make any sense. So I, I don't really try to, to mimic anything else. I try to make the best wine I can out of the raw materials that I have. Robin, I just think you've given inspiration to a new idea. Megs, this is like a cooking show, like one of those cooking challenge shows, except it could be the wine challenge show. I, it, I we, see it what, now. Robin, and we tell them to make a good wine. The, the problem is <laughs> it's going to take eight months for that to happen. At least. So, you know, we'll just time lapse the whole show. thing. There's going to have to be a lot of drama in the center there someplace. <laughs> we'll make it a reality show. Exactly. Oh, we don't want that in my family. No. no, no, no. I, I think it goes back to what, you know, Robin and I talked about earlier, just the art of winemaking. There's no two pieces of art that are identical. Um, and really, there's there's no wine, even though it may carry the same variety or the same name. They're, they're not going to be identical. And nor are we, with our own individual palates, going to taste them the same that someone else would taste them. And that's a really important thing, right? As a winemaker... I get people that come in and taste a wine that I think is great and they taste it and they go, oh, okay, that's okay. That's what a love winemaker loves to hear. Even worse is when they taste it go, oh my God, that's terrible. Uh, you know, if you don't like dry reds, that's what you're going to say when you pick up that dry red and you taste it. But I can see my all, face now saying. We got to have thick skins. And secondly, we have to understand everybody's palate's different. Everybody likes it. And so really what I tell people that are, that are starting to learn about wine is drink what you like, right? Forget all this noise about... There's good guidelines, red red wine with steak, white wine with fish. But if you like white wine with your steak, for God's sakes, drink white wine with your steak. If you like red wine with fish, drink red wine with fish. Wine is about enjoying food, family, and friends. It, ultimately, that's all it's about, right? So taste a lot of wines because that's the best way to learn. That's the good news. And then drink what you like. Have fun. I love that you said no that, Robin, either. because I'm always, uh, I'm having steak, red wine. I'm having fish, white wine. It's like some unwritten rule that I feel like I have to follow with wines. The sad thing is, Megan, it's actually written. Oh, yeah. we tried. Okay. We tried to unwrite that because, yeah, there's some guidelines if you're looking for guidelines. But Robin's exactly right. There is no occasion where wine can't be served. There is no like wine that. that can't be served with a particular dish. Um, you know, if you want to sit down and have a bowl of popcorn and have Chardonnay or Cabernet with that, um, kudos to you. 
my big sweet with my sweet wines right and my answer is always big sticky cheeses i love big <laughs> sticky cheeses with those with those with those sweet wines you know like the 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 blues and the and even some brie or something like that just they're awesome but yeah chrissy's absolutely right i mean drink what you like find things you enjoy it's about enjoying yourself it's not about following somebody else's rules for what what you're supposed to enjoy well i'm throwing that book out the window <laughs> no, I, I think Prosecco goes with everything. That's all I'm going to say. I, I've not argued with you about that. Yeah. Oh, this conversation, you guys, is killing Katie, the producer, right now. It you is. know, I think I'm going to need to go grab a bottle of wine for when I have my baby. I'm due in August and we'll celebrate with a great Ohio dry. I can't wait. <laughs> I awesome. can drink sparkling grape juice until then, maybe. <laughs> yep, yeah, I have been. I've been trying. I've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Christy. And thank you, Robin, for being on here. This is uh, a fun conversation today. Yeah. And just it's it's always great to talk about uh, the grape and wine industry. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you both very much. Very insightful. And thanks, everyone, for listening to Cultivating Convos. We'll be back next week. Cultivating Convos is created by ODA's communications team. Make sure to hit subscribe to get the latest episodes in your feed and like ODA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for up-to-date news about agriculture in Ohio.